This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Uh, For those who are visiting first time today, blessings. And for those who are worshiping with us at home online, blessings to you as well. I'm Clayton Wilfer. I'm the pastor here at Joy Church. I got to remember to say that, although it is on screen, so. All right. Uh, Some announcements uh, before we begin worship. So as I mentioned, we are getting a new website. It's in progress Hopefully next two months, something like that. We don't have a specific date. But I mentioned last, and it will be easy to use, right? Because I guess there was some consternation last week. It will be easy to use. It will be colorful. It will be just a little bit more modern, a little bit more updated. So uh, for that website, we need pictures not only of the church, but people in the church. Because people don't want to just see a picture of an empty building, right? So I'd like to introduce in the back is Bob Hager. Now, Bob is a very good friend. He's the one building the website. So applause for Bob. Yay! Yay! And uh, uh, he's a good brother in Christ. And uh, he's done a lot of videos for the church. Uh, some of the video uh, series on what is the gospel, are you a disciple of Jesus, the introduction video. I mean, I've worked with him on quite a few things. He is a photographer, a good photographer. He's here this morning to take pictures. So here's what you should do. Worship as you regularly worship. Don't look like this. Um, so, yeah, just, just worship, right? He, he, I've asked him if he would promise to use some AI, you know, artificial intelligence to make us all look younger, slimmer, more attractive. So we'll get that. <laughs> all right, so he's going to be wandering around uh, a bit during worship. Just worship with us. He, he's another brother in Christ, okay? Did I say enough to make you comfortable? All right, good. All right, Uh, moving on. So name tags. As we uh, continue to grow, make sure you have name tags. If you think you're going to be here for a while and you're not maybe an official member yet, there's a place to sign up for name tags. Uh, They're good. I do have mine here too. And um, it's just really handy for all involved. We also have extras available if you have forgotten yours at home. Reminder, our Lenten series. So uh, we have Lent each Wednesday, and uh, this, we had Ash Wednesday last week. That was the official kickoff to Lent. During this particular time of Lent, it's going to be a bit different, as I've mentioned. Rather than official times of worship, we are going to have a time of worship, but it's going to be more informal. So there's going to be song, there's going to be prayer, a testimony, but then I am going to be giving a series of talks on what is the AFLC. And for those who are visiting today, it stands for the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations. And I have to tell you, the first time, I didn't grow up AFLC. Uh, The first time I actually saw Free Lutheran, this was truly my thought. They don't charge. 
That's what I thought. I mean, really, I, I had no idea what that free meant or means. So uh, we're going to be discussing all of that because it's really part of, I think what you're going to find out is this is what we've been doing all along. But now I want it to bring it to the forefront, especially in this upcoming year. Okay, so this week is how and why did the AFLC start? What are its founding principles? Okay, next Sunday, uh, we are going to have a member from the AFLC, Pastor Earl Coronan, and he is the Director of World Missions. So he will be here next week. He's actually going to give uh, uh, an update during our announcement time, but uh, he will also be bringing the message that uh, next week as well. So I'll uh, join in for that, definitely, please. Uh, we have a movie night. Yay! I know. So uh, there were three people who volunteered to be the movie committee, and we have one coming up. It's called Seven Days in Utopia. It's actually filmed in Utopia, Texas. There is a Utopia, Texas. It stars Robert Duvall and Lucas Black. Uh, you might know Lucas Black from NCIS uh, New Orleans. But it's, uh, it's a story about golf, but it's a lot more than that. Actually, it has everything you want. It not only has golf, it has horses. It has a rodeo. It has scenic vista. It has a love story. And it has faith and purpose, okay? So it's a good movie. It's coming up March 2nd at 7 p.m. Uh, invite people. We will be getting out tickets, doing social media. By the way, the tickets, you don't need one for those who are visiting today. You don't need a ticket. It's just there as a reminder. All right, and today we have a special day as well. We have new member Sunday, Susan Johnson is becoming an official member of Joy Church. So, Susan, if you want to come up and say a little bit, uh, as she comes up, I want to let you know that uh, our Constitution actually allows for dual membership. Because if you are at a church out of state, but you're here, you know, half the year or even a quarter of the year, we want to make sure that you can have a home church, a place where you say, I belong here. So that is part of our Constitution, and I think it's appropriate, given the culture, you know, the day and age in which we're in, in which people travel quite a bit, but uh, in which people maybe live in one place during the nice weather and then go to another place for nice weather. So, Susan, please, uh, let's click the little button here. Okay. There you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's truly a blessing for me to be accepted into your church family today. Um, I so appreciate being able to come to a, a truly a Bible-based, Christ-centered, gospel-preaching church. Those are way more than just words, and I see, them, I see them acted out every single time I come to Joy, and that is so important. The other thing that I'll mention is that um, we really feel, my mother Donna and I, and my mother Donna is here with me today as well, that you have been so welcoming to us. Um, you have come up to us and talked to us, introduced yourselves, offered us cookies and bars and, and coffee, you know, the three most important food groups, I believe. Uh, 
for sure coffee. And, you know, that also is really important when you're looking for a place to come and worship and learn. So I hope to be able to contribute here um, while also continuing to work in my home church, which is Mount Zion in Casson, Minnesota. Yeah, land of the polar bears this time of year. Um, and that's just a little bit west of Rochester, so we're in the southeastern part of, of Minnesota. And some of my passions working there in that church have been um, outreach, especially as it pertains to children, whether that's for Sunday school or vacation Bible school or our uh, monthly kids club that's an after-school program um, that includes reaching out especially to children who are coming from disadvantaged situations in our local area, um, as well as women's ministries and music. And so I hope that I can continue to uh, contribute in those ways at Mount Zion and then contribute as God leads here. And I just uh, thank you again, and I look forward to being a part of this church family to come here and learn more about God's word and also to be a doer of his will with, with this church family. So thank you very much. So, uh, and by the way, uh, for all people who become members, you actually do get a certificate. So it's up there, and you get a welcome basket. It has uh, a Joy Church cup in it and some candy and, uh, and a New Testament Bible as well. So last thing here is right after worship, uh, we have our all-church meeting. So uh, if you are, even if you're not a member, but you're vested here, right, stay for the all-church meeting. We aren't going to try to drag it out. It's uh, a pretty compact meeting. There are handouts on the front table here for it. So there's a handout there and also uh, a ballot as well for the votes to be taken. Um, and right after worship, we'll take like a 15-minute break. So you can get your coffee. You can get the treats and also use the restroom. I'll just use the countdown timer as we have for the beginning before we start worship. Sound good? Oh, oh, one last. So tonight at 7 p.m., thank you, I forgot. So tonight at 7 p.m., there is a concert, and it is at the uh, community center. It's at 7 p.m., and there are a number of people here in the congregation that are part of a band, and so they will be performing. You are all invited to that. Playing and singing. All right. Anything else that should be mentioned? All right. We do everything we do. We have all church meetings, believe it or not. <laughs> we uh, contribute to the church financially. We are engaged as the body of Christ, all because God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. Will you please stand as you are able? We begin our time of worship in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our call to worship is from Psalm 136. Together, please. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. And let's lift up our voices in song this morning with grace greater than our sin. grace is greater than all of our sin. And he says, when we do sin, and we do, to come before him, confess our sins, and receive his marvelous forgiveness. So let's do that as a body. Heavenly Father,
we come before you to seek your mercy and grace. We have sinned against you and against ourselves with our wrong attitudes of selfishness and pride. We have not followed completely what you have told us in your word and have at times even rebelled against your ways. We are sorry. We seek your forgiveness and cleansing through your Son, Jesus Christ, to whom all praise and glory will be given. In his name, amen. If that indeed is your confession with a repentant heart, I declare to you the marvelous grace of God. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. You may be seated. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you have given us. We thank you that your mercies are made new every day, and we live and breathe by the grace you have bestowed upon us, especially the grace in Christ Jesus. So we come before you. We come before your throne this morning, offering up our time of worship, our praise for you, are above all things, and we give you thanks. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Lord God, we come before your throne through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we ask for your healing to be upon our loved ones. There are many, many on this list and many more in our heart. And we lift them up to you this morning. We pray for continued healing for Linda, for Betsy, for Phyllis, for Susan S., for Jan W., for Lynn and Fred, for Judy B., Judy T., for Nicole, for Bud and Heidi. We lift up this morning Katie and Lisa, Susan Smith. We pray for Adam and for Claude. We lift up Rita and Nancy. We pray for Ione and Todd, Allie and Gary. Lord God, in your mercy and your grace, heal our family, our friends, and our loved ones. Lord, in your mercy, We lift up those who are struggling with faith this morning, who need to be strengthened in faith. We also pray for the lost. We pray, gracious God, that they would heed your call, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, they would know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We also pray for those who are in depression, who are in doubt and fear, that the light, the love that you have for them, that they may feel your warm embrace. And we continue to pray for the protection of our loved ones, those who are yet to be born, who are in the womb, and those who are elderly and near the end. We pray for them. We lift them up, and we ask 
that all the men, the women, and the caregivers understand how precious life is because you are the author of all life. Lord, in your mercy, we pray this morning for zeal of discipleship within the churches, for the gospel to fill the hearts that we are compelled by the, your love, by the love you have for us in Christ Jesus to share the gospel with others. So we lift up all of the churches this morning. We pray for all those men and women who are also missionaries. We continue to pray for Mafu and Edne in Paraguay. But we lift up all, all of the missionaries within the FLC. Guide them, strengthen them, give them resources to do your work so that people know Jesus, so that souls are saved. Lord, in your mercy. We also pray for the AFLC, for 40 more men of God, for men of God to heed the call, to say yes to your call, to be shepherds of the flock, to stand firm in your word, to make disciples. We continue to pray for St. Peter in Illinois. We also lift up Christian Free Lutheran in Iowa that they may find a shepherd and one soon. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you for this church, this body of believers, for the ever-growing aliveness in the spirit. We continue to pray that you would guide us and lead us, that especially you would lead us in your wisdom during our meeting afterwards. But gracious God, continue to grow this church upon the foundation of Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. And now we lift up our nation to you. Heavenly Father, you know what is needed for this nation. There's so much division and strife. So many culture wars going on. But we know that it is ultimately just one battle. That it is a battle for the very soul. We pray for repentance in our nation. We pray for all of our leaders, wherever they are, to bow their knee and to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and to lead by his truth and his righteousness. Lord, in your mercy. And now we take a moment to lift our own personal prayers unto you. We lift this all up in the name of Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. And now we'll have a sharing of God's Word. For those who are visiting today, we have sermon notes. They have also the Bible readings uh, and the page numbers associated with our Bibles, Pew Bibles. And for those who are interested, it also has information about the Lord's Supper.
And I just wanted to say uh, I am here on behalf of Betty, who um, had her fall, and we just hope and pray that she continues to heal. The first reading is taken from Exodus chapter 34, verses 1 through 7, on page 87 in your Pew Bible. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. The second reading is from Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 28, on page 1118 in your pew Bible. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. This ends the reading. Will you please stand as you are able? Reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven 
is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, Go, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand there idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Call the laborers and pay them wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing no wrong. Did you not agree with me for, what, for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give this last worker as I give you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. In response to God's word, let us proclaim our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from where he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Third day, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Sorry about that. My fingers went back and forth. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way. Riding on 
clouds shining like the sun at the trumpet call lift your voice it's the year of jubilee and out of zion's hill salvation comes and these are the days of ezekiel the dry bones becoming as flesh and these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as white in the world. And we are the laborers in the vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, it's the year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. There is no God like Jehovah, 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 there is no God like Jehovah. There is no God like Jehovah, there is no God like Jehovah, hey. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. Let's pray. Holy and almighty God, we thank you for the salvation we have in Christ Jesus. As we come to your word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our heart that we may know Jesus evermore as Lord and Savior in his love, his grace, and his mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. So for those who are just joining us, we've been doing a series, The Parables of Jesus. And last week, we had the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the context, the setup, if you will, to that parable was that a lawyer asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what is written? What does the law of Moses say? And the the lawyer answered correctly. He said, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do that, and you will live. Do you remember that if you are here last week? Just getting the brain going here. And what we said is that that's really easy to understand, but it is impossible to do. So then Jesus shows and tells this story of the Good Samaritan because the story of the Good Samaritan really shows who God is and how great his mercy is. In the Good Samaritan parable, we see that God himself is the standard by which love, grace, and mercy and compassion are to be measured. That's the parable of the Good Samaritan. The reason I'm reminding you of that is because today there are many parallels with this account 
with this parable. And in fact, we need to actually cover a little bit of the context, the setup, if you will, for the parable of the laborers in the vineyard for you to understand the depth and breadth, but also to see the parallels from last week. It actually starts in Matthew chapter 19. And I've got more I'm going to read. I've got some on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 19, starting with verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter eternal life, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. Doesn't that sound familiar? Very similar to last week. And then going on, it says, he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. It's very similar to last week, isn't it? Very similar. I mean, the lawyer last week asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Here, this rich young man says, what good deed must I do? To have eternal life. In essence, he's saying, what do I need to do to earn my way to heaven? And this is always the question of the unsaved. What must do I do to earn my way to heaven? But, I mean, think about it. This man said that he had kept all those commandments, right? that he didn't steal, didn't commit adultery, all of those things. Even if we give him the benefit of the doubt, and it's a big benefit of the doubt, Jesus says, well, there's one more thing. And he really gets to the heart of this rich man. He says this, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. See, what Jesus points out here is that this rich man covets earthly things. And to covet earthly things more than God is not only to break the last two commandments, it is to break the first. You shall have no other gods before me. So Jesus shows that even if, even if he had really kept those other commandments, he wasn't keeping them all. He was not perfect. You see, the standard of good is not how good you are, but how good God is. That's the standard that he's pointing out. The standard is not how good you are. The standard is how good God is. That's why Jesus asked me, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. So Jesus tells the, the man, hey, well, okay, he didn't say hey. That was my uh, 
version of it. Slip there, right? The vernacular. But if you really want to be perfect, sell everything you have and then follow me. And that man was crestfallen because he really coveted all of those things. It says this, and Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. See, you have to understand that during that time, they believed that if somebody was rich, it is because God had greatly favored them. So they were already in the good graces of God. And so this rich young man was already in the good graces of God. And by the way, we have that same mentality today. That if you're really in with God, you will be blessed with earthly riches. That's still prevalent today. But Jesus turns that on its head. He says, this is not true. And he gives this hyperbolic statement, like over the, that means over the top statement, right? About a camel passing through the eye of a needle. Look, the older I get, the harder it is to even get a little thread through the needle, right? Right? <laughs> Do you ever play trombone? Like that, right? But now for a rich person, to, it's like a camel going through the eye of the needle, like a thick rope going through the eye of the needle. That's how hard it is, practically impossible. So the question, the question that the disciples had, if this guy's so good, he's rich, he must be blessed by God, look at all the commandments. The question is, who, who could be saved? Really, who could be saved? Who could ever have eternal life? Who could ever enter into the kingdom of God? This is really just like the parable, the setup from last week. And Jesus says, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. In other words, as one commentator put it, the poor and humble will be exalted in the age to come, while many of the world's rich and powerful will be brought low. This is the depth you have to have before you get to the parable, because without that, the parable doesn't make as much sense. And I know there's a chapter break. Chapter 19 and 20, there shouldn't be a chapter break here. It's actually just one account, okay? So the, the parable is actually Jesus explaining further what he means. And he says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. By the way, there are a number of parables that Jesus begins with, the kingdom of heaven is like this. There's the parable of the weeds, the weeds and the wheat, the mustard seed, the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, and so forth. So all of these parables use earthly images to point to the divine. He makes it simple 
Something we can relate to, but yet still pointing to the divine. So in this case, I'm really thankful. He starts out pretty simply. The master of the house. You could actually say the Lord of the house. Well, who's the Lord? God himself, right? It is God who is the master of the house. He is the owner of the vineyard. And he owns everything. So he is sovereign over everything. And notice this. It is God who goes out to seek the laborers. A lot of people think that God, the Father, just kind of sits on his throne waiting for you to knock on the door of heaven. But that's not the case, is it? We did the parable of the lost sheep. You remember the videos I showed, right? I, I, I Actually, I saw another picture recently, sheep with just a bucket on its head. And I thought, well, that's me. God goes out and he searches. He seeks. He calls you by name. So even though he is sovereign over everything, it is God who goes out and seeks you who calls you by name. That's the first thing to get even in the very beginning of this parable. And he seeks you because he desires his house to be full. He truly does. Let's go with the parable here. Verse 2. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. You know, so you should know, during this time in the first century, in that particular region, is very common for a master of a house to go out at the very beginning of the day to get day laborers. And by the way, these really were day laborers. They were not rich. They were working hand-to-mouth kind of existence. One commentator put it like this. Uh, he said, as a result of heavy taxation... High debt and scarce resources, peasants in Jesus' day were forced to hire themselves out on a daily basis. Only the truly fortunate had more permanent means of employment. So by the master of the house looking for day laborers, there's a subtle implication here that he's not looking for the rich and powerful. He's looking for those that many people would overlook. So you should also know that he seeks them throughout the day. Again, this would be different because normally the master of the house would go out at the very beginning of the day, and that would be it. He would just get the laborers he needed. And uh, if you're not aware, during that time, the beginning of the day was 6 a.m., okay? So the third hour was 9 a.m., the sixth hour was 12 the ninth hour was then 3 p.m. And by just, just tuck that away when we get to Good Friday, the ninth hour. 
And then the 11th hour would be 5 p.m. So, uh, by the way, I would never make it as a day laborer. You know that I'm not a morning person. I'd be like three quarters of a day laborer. But he goes out at the 11th hour. At the 11th hour, it says this. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing and said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, "Go, you go into the vineyard too. You see, the Lord is seeking to fill his house to the very last hour. You could take this one of two ways. You could take it to the very last moment of your life, or you could say to the very end of the age. So that's what we're talking about here. The Lord seeks to have those enter into the kingdom of God even to the very last hour. We find this message again and again, and there's an urgency that God has in filling his house. Jesus gave a number of parables, one of which is the great banquet. This is found in Luke chapter 14. I would encourage you to look at that. The 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 master has invited people. They've given excuses. They're not showing up. So he says this. He says, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. God seeks. He goes out. He desires his house to be filled. Now, we're going to come to kind of the nitty-gritty of the whole parable here. I'm going to read verse 8 through 12. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. When those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. When, now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. All right. So if it was me and I was one of the first workers I would certainly expect not only a full day's wage, I would expect to be paid first. I mean, that's only fair, right? I would be there. And if you're going to give somebody who came at the 11th hour the same that you gave me, why aren't you giving me more? That's only fair. You see, the heart of this story is about what we considered fair versus what God considers just. You know, it's, this is hard because it's so far removed that we think of this as a history lesson, right? You know, we sit there and we kind of go, yeah, that makes sense, okay. But really, the listeners would have had a much stronger reaction to what Jesus was saying in the parable. They would have really understood it. I mean, when our sense of fair 
isn't the way we think about it. We bristle at that. We get upset. As a matter of fact, I found a picture that I thought encapsulated it. It's not fair. Right? So let me give you an example that you might relate to a little bit better. Let's say um, it's been a really, really long day. And you have to go to the grocery store. You don't want to go to the grocery store, but you need groceries for dinner tonight. As a matter of fact, you got to do grocery shopping for a little bit more because you're out of a number of things. So you trudge all the way through the store. You fill up the basket. It's very full. You're kind of grumpy by this point. You're standing there in line, and somebody with only 10 items says, I'm going to cut in. That's not fair, right? You bristle at that. You kind of go, that, that. And you might even say, hey, get to the back of the line, right? Now, I know it's polite here, but in your minds, you'd be, okay, well, even if you can't relate to that, have you ever been in a traffic jam and somebody pulls up on the side of the road and wants to cut in? That's the beginning of road rage, isn't it? Because it is not fair. We want to take a look at what's fair. And these workers had indignation, anger. Anger at what was going on. And by the way, if you and I were masters of the house, really, if we were masters of the house, we would not be like the master of the vineyard. We would have the people who work first get paid first. And the people who worked last paid last and paid less. That's what we would do. But we get a little clue into the master of the household that he is different because when he went out, he said, you two go in the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So he himself is determining what is right. It is God and God alone who determines what is right, what is given in generosity. Verse 13, but he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or you, do you begrudge my generosity? You see, any reward, any reward from God comes from his generosity. You do not deserve any reward. Nor can you earn his reward. No one can earn his generosity. This is a hard lesson because it really just gets at the core of us. Let me give you a, an example. Okay, there was a, a very dedicated, hardworking church member who once had a dream that after a very long, satisfying life, he died and then he went to heaven. But at the gate of heaven, he saw this entrance requirement, 1,000 points. He was kind of worried about that, you know, 
1,000 points. So he, uh, he walked up to this angel who was guarding the gate, and he said, that, that seems kind of high. Do you, think I, I, do you think I've accumulated that many points? And the angel smiled and said, well, tell me what you have done, and let's find out. Okay. The man said, thought about it for a moment. He said, enthusiastically, I've been a baptized believer for 32 years. I taught Sunday school class for over 12 years. I was a youth chaperone whenever they needed me, and I was a regular member in the church choir. Well, that's wonderful, said the angel. Let me see. Now, that's worth, that's worth one point. In the dream, the man became a little pale, you know, and he began to sweat, and he went on. He said, well, I've tithed on all of my income. Sometimes I even gave more. I also served as an elder in the church. I served on the finance committee and the building committee. I attended every day of cleanup that we had for church cleanup. I mowed the grass. I did repairs and painting. At every fellowship supper, I helped set up the chairs and tables Then I stayed late and helped to take them down. He looked at the angel, and the angel smiled and said, well, let me see. Yeah, that that sounds great. That's worth another point. You have two now. The man looked like he was going to go in shock. I mean, he was desperate now. He said, well, I invited a lot of people to church and often went calling with the preacher. I won quite a few for Christ. I, I supported the camp programs. And while, for, for, and while I, I was a forwarding agent for a missionary family, oh, and I never cheated on my taxes. The angel said, well, that, that's very good. That's very good. Let me see. That's worth another point. You have three and the man just, he, he sagged. I, he didn't know what to do. He was resigned. He said, I, I, I give up. I mean, there's no way I'm going to have enough points to get into heaven. I mean, it's only going to be by the grace of God. And the angel said, the grace of God? I think you're at the wrong gate. You see, you're, at, you're standing at the gate of law. By the gate of law, you have to be perfect and have a perfect score of 1,000 points. Many, many have tried, multitudes have tried, and no one has ever entered in this gate. I think you want the other gate over there where all the other people are lined up. That's called the gate of grace. The gate of grace. It is all a gift of God through Jesus. You see, somebody who has been a Christian all their lives, has even been a missionary, has taught Bible study, has done all of these good works, is no better than somebody who's been a reprobate, a murderer, an adulterer, a thief, a covetous person who is saved at the 11th hour. There is no difference. There is no difference between me as a pastor and somebody who is saved at the 11th hour. It's all done by the grace of God. That's it. There is no other answer. 
Now listen to what Paul wrote. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the answer to the disciples' questions, who then can be saved? Anyone who is saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. People so much want to enter heaven by what they think is fair, by their own standard. But there's only one standard, and it's the standard of God, who thankfully is full of grace and mercy. He abounds in it. That's what he told Moses. In Moses, he said, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. It's the same message that Jesus gives. It's the same message that the apostles and the disciples wrote about. It is the message that is on the gate of grace, by the grace of God, through, the faith, through faith in Jesus Christ, you may enter in. This is the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. Amen. In a moment, we are going to celebrate the grace of God given to us in the Lord's Supper. It's more than just bread and wine. It is the body, the blood of Christ Jesus, who says that in him you are forgiven. Our Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after they'd eaten and he'd given thanks, he took the cup. He gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sin. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And for those who are visiting today, come on up. For those who are visiting today, we do communion in two different ways. We do it first by procession. We'll do this side of the church first, then this second. And then for those who want individual cups, we have those on the back table. The body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ. 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 The blood of Christ shed for you. 
For those who are doing the individual cups, please open the bread. The body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Having received his body and his blood, be strengthened in your faith, knowing that through him your sins are forgiven. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Will you please stand as you are able? And let us pray as our Lord and Savior taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As the kingdom and power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive the benediction. This is from Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And we have a very appropriate song this morning for our ending. Basically, you'll know it as when we all get to heaven. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we What a juicy love rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim's pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to Trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay. When we all, when we all get to heaven, what a day! What a rejoicing day of rejoicing that will be. When we all, when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us, soon his beauty will be home. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall tread the streets of gold. When we all, when we all get, to heaven, get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing.
rejoicing that will be when we all when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, but don't leave, okay? So have coffee, have some treats. I'll do the countdown timer, 15 minutes. We'll reconvene for the all-church meeting. Have a blessed time.